This morning we are back at it. It is day two of our 30-day revival called Stirred Up. And if you remember, uh, we saw last night that as people, our natural inclination is to settle down. That's our natural inclination. It is to sink in and to seek and to be comfortable. Well, last night we saw Peter's call for us is to not settle down, but rather to be stirred up. Remember the word literally means to be moved to action, to be fervent in our stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to start off and say this morning what I said last night, we need a revival today. Today, we need a revival in our nation. We need a revival in our area. We need a revival in our church today. We need a movement of God, a revival today. We need for the church to be stirred up. We need for the church to be active. We need for the church to be loud, to be resolved as we proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. I said it last night, I'll say it again this morning, I am praying for that. You know, that's what we need in our world. We need a movement of God. We need a resurgence of the word of God. We need people to find and to turn to Jesus Christ. And I am seeking that. I have a burning desire to be a part of that. And that is not going to happen when it happens in someone else. Now listen to what I'm saying here. That's not going to happen when we say, well, I wish they would get right. I wish something would happen over there. It is going to happen, listen to me, when something happens to us. And I'll just tell you, my prayer for these 30 days is that God would stir me up by the reminder of the word of God. We saw that last night, that God would stir me up. My hope is that your prayer for these 30 days is that God would send a revival to you, that there will be a revival in your heart, your mind, your life, and that God in this process would stir you up. Today we're going to get moving in our verse-by-verse study. Today we're, our verses are found in 1 Peter chapter 1. Today the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Today our message is entitled, Abundant Grace and Sustaining Peace. That's our title, Abundant Grace and Sustaining Peace. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning here in the first verse, God's Word says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for the story that we have. We're thankful for the good news that we have. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin through Jesus. We're thankful for your grace that is greater than all of our sin. Lord, we're thankful for hope today, for peace that sustains us today. Lord, I come and I I pray, Lord, that you've been honored and you will be honored in this hour. 
I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray as we start into these two letters, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. And I pray, Lord, that you would move. And I pray, Lord, that it's your voice that we would hear. And I pray, Lord, in hearing the voice of, of our Savior God, that we would be equipped, that we would be built, that we would be strengthened, that we would be encouraged. I pray for some as they hear the gospel, the good news, that in this process they would find Jesus and turn to you, Lord, in faith. Lord, I come and I pray for this specific hour. I pray that it is not normal. I pray that it's not the passing on of academic information. But I pray, Lord, that it is the living and active word that is spoken and that changes our hearts. Lord, help us. And then I pray this, Lord, stir me up. Stir us up. We trust this to you, knowing you hear our prayers, knowing that you're faithful, that you're kind and gracious to sinners. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we begin the first letter of Peter, our New Testament book of 1 Peter. It was written, I think it's easy for us to see, it was written by Peter. There's some that argue that, but it was written by the apostle Peter. At this point, he is toward the end of his ministry. Uh, his ministry will end as Jesus foretold him in his own death. He's going to be crucified. The letter was written most likely from the city of Rome. Now, it is interesting, as with all of God's word, we need to be aware it is a tremendous thing. It is a marvelous thing for us to hold this letter today. I think sometimes we become passive in that. Maybe we become apathetic in that. But it is a marvelous thing for us to hold this letter from Peter today. Now, we're going to see much in the letter, I'll tell you in preparing for this, I'm very excited for the things we're going to talk about, the things that we're going to learn, some of the things that are going to be reconfirmed to us. There's much that we're going to see in the letter, but the purpose of the letter is to encourage believers to stand. As simple as that. You want to know the purpose of the letter? Great stuff we're going to see. The purpose of the letter is to encourage believers to stand. This is a call, this is an instruction, this is an encouragement to stand. Now, friends, I want to tell you, I believe God has led us here right now. I believe God is in this, and I believe God has led us here right now. Friends, be sure, no thing, nothing could be more relevant, nothing could be more pertinent for us today. Today, we are living in a day when the word of God, when biblical truth is under attack. And I see it is denied, it is made fun of, it is set aside. We are living in a day when the truth of the word of God is under attack. Now I will say this, I believe as in no other time. Now we see great times in history when the word of God came under attack, but I believe the day we are living in, it is viewed as wise to set down the word of God. It is viewed as smart to, to live in neglect of the word of God. This is seen as a superstition. Well, I want to tell you, I believe in these critical days, we as believers must be ready. And I'll tell you more than that. Now, that's big. We must be ready. But we must also be resolved to stand. 
And that's the day we're living in. I believe that God's brought us to this point for a reason. Listen, believer, God's brought you to this point for a reason. And as the culture marches off into chaos, and look at the world, man, headed into straight chaos. And as many churches sadly are walking with them, are following with them, listen, we must be ready to stand. That's what this is about. That's what this letter is about. We must be ready to stand. We must be encouraged as we stand. Today we're going to look at three pieces introduced to us in these two verses. Now let me just tell you this. These are pretty deep verses. Uh, they are rich verses, loaded verses. Uh, there, there's things that I'm not even going to get to cover today. There's a, a, an excellent view of the Trinity in verse 2 in these verses. These are awesome verses. But we're going to look at three pieces, just three pieces, that are introduced to us in these two verses. We're going to see the perspective of the letter. We're going to see the people of the letter. And then third, we're going to see the prayer of the letter. So, okay, we move into 1 Peter. Here's where we begin. We're going to see the perspective of the letter. We're going to see the people of the letter. And then we're going to see the prayer of the letter. Now, the first thing we start off with is the perspective of the letter. The perspective of the letter. Verse 1 starts, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, do not miss the significance of this. Do not miss the bigness of this. Sometimes we come across that and we read it and we're moving into the letter and we're in a hurry and we just say, well, it looks like Peter wrote the letter. Do not miss the bigness of this. In this line, this single line, we are introduced to the author of this letter. The Bible says it is Peter. It is the person, Peter. However, see this, in that we are given not just the name of the person, but we are prepared for the perspective of that person. Meaning, all that we're about to hear all that we're about to read, all that we're about to consider, all that we're about to study comes not just from anyone, comes not from just somebody that heard about it and wrote it down, somebody that knew the facts of certain events. It comes not from some mechanical scribe who recorded and passed on some written letter, record, but what we are going to hear, listen, is from Peter himself. This is from the perspective of Peter. Now, that's an awesome thing. This isn't just some mechanically recorded letter that passes on. This is the perspective of Peter. This Peter is the one that Jesus finds in his boat and in his successful fishing business and he tells them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Listen, it was this Peter who left his business, who left his boat, who left everything that he knew to follow Jesus. What a perspective that is. 
Leave your nets, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says he left everything. What a perspective that is. It was this Peter whose real name was Simon. And Jesus actually changed his name. It tells us about that in John chapter 1. It says you'll be called Cephas, Petros in Greek. It means rock. He is named by Jesus. The one that's going to speak to us was given the name by Jesus. What a perspective that is. It was this Peter that was there for the teachings of Jesus. And I had to go back yesterday and think about that and think about the messages that he heard, think about the, the teachings that he heard in big groups and in small groups he heard those teachings firsthand. He's called at the beginning. He travels with Jesus, and he hears the master's teaching firsthand. Can you imagine that? He heard them firsthand. Now, more than that, he was there for the miracles of Jesus. He was there for the duration of the three years. He's there for all of the many miracles of Jesus. He's there, and he marvels as the loaves and the fishes are stretched to feed the great multitude. Can you imagine that? There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way this is possible. And yet he says, do it. We're going to try it. And, and, and the loaves and the fishes are stretched, and we're not going to make it over there, and they go over there. We're not going to get to that half, and we get to that half. And for him, this is no cold Sunday school story. He is one of the ones that helped gathers the leftovers, marveling at the miraculous power of Jesus. Can you imagine his perspective? He knew the power of Jesus. It was this Peter who asked to walk on water, only to very quickly sink in fear. Lord, help me. I'm sinking. I'll drown. Lord, help me. It was this Peter who stood on the Mount of Transfiguration, seeing Moses and Elijah with Jesus. People from a distant history for most people, the people that they just read about for most people, he actually saw them with his very own eyes. It was Peter that said, Jesus, this is good. Let us build tabernacles. Let us build temples here and let us stay here. What a perspective he holds. It is this Peter, bold and loud and brash, and yet who couldn't stay awake in the garden. Simon, could you not pray for but a single hour? It was this Peter, in one moment, he draws out his sword and he cuts off a man's ear, ready to die for the Lord. It's that Peter. But in another moment, very soon, denying that he even knew Jesus, cursing as he said, I don't know this man. It was this Peter that saw the cross of Calvary. I don't know that we see the bigness of that. He saw the mob. He actually moved in and out of it. He saw the Roman guards as they mishandled Jesus. He heard the hammers that hit the nails. He saw his friend and his Savior stretched out there on the cross of Calvary, the Lamb of God. He saw him die there on that hill. Can you imagine all that he beheld that day, the Lamb Upon his cross, he saw Jesus die. What a perspective. What a story he must have to tell. It was this Peter that early on the first day of the week upon 
the hearing of a crazy report. The Bible says it was outrun by the other disciple, yet he's the one that still burst into the defeated tomb first, seeing the grave clothes that were wrapped up and lying there. The Bible says, and he marveled at them. Of course he did. It was that Peter. It was this Peter that saw that same Jesus. The Bible says as he ascended into heaven on a cloud out of sight, It was this Peter that took to heart the angel's charge. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? For as you have seen him ascend, he will surely come again. He heard those words. What a perspective he must hold. It was the same Peter now filled with the Holy Spirit of God that preached in reckless confidence, first at Pentecost and a multitude are saved, then at the Sanhedrin's court. Who do we fear, men or God? For we cannot speaking of the one of whom we've seen and heard. It was this Peter. It was this Peter that would lead the church in its first steps. Now I want you to think about that. Jesus founds the church. He establishes the church. It is Christ's church. The church is the steward and the proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And Peter was there in its infant steps. Peter was there as it launches out. It was this Peter. It is this Peter, though dying in the same manner as Christ. The Bible says, led where he did not want to go and stretched out to die. Though dead, yet speaketh still today the very words of God. It is this Peter. It is this Peter whose name along with his brother's name from the boat is engraved on the foundational stones of heaven, a testimony not to him, but of a gracious Savior that redeems sinners. It is Peter a person, yes. Oh, but what a perspective we have. It goes on this line, and it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to touch on this very quickly. We won't stay here too long. But an apostle is one who was witness to the resurrected Christ, one that was called and commissioned by Christ. We've talked about that. We've studied that before. An apostle is one witness to the resurrected Christ, called and commissioned by Christ himself. Now listen, by very definition, that office has closed. There are no apostles operating in apostolic authority in that office today. Now let me give you a quick tip here. If somebody comes and claims in this day to hold the office of apostle, to speak as an apostle. Let me give you some quick advice. Run. Have no part of that. The office has closed. Witnessed to the resurrected Christ, commissioned by Christ himself. But the Bible says, Peter, however, is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want us to see in that. He was writing this letter to people, now think about this, who had never seen Jesus. They didn't didn't hear Jesus speak. They weren't given that opportunity. They didn't walk with Jesus. And so the apostle carried Jesus' story 
carried Jesus's truth, carried Jesus's instructions to them. Here's what I want you to see this morning. That's what's happening right now. That's what's happening right here. Today we have the truth of Jesus. We have the message of Jesus. We have the hope of the gospel. And it's brought to us through this apostle. Now listen, what a perspective that is. What an awesome perspective that is. What a privilege that is for us to have this letter, to learn from this perspective. I want to tell you this. If if you're not excited by that, I don't know what to do for you. If that, doesn't, if that doesn't do something to you, we're not reading some fairy tale written by some person. We are going to hear from the apostle Peter, the friend of Jesus. What an awesome thing. I'm excited for these next 30 days, 28 days. That's the perspective. All right? Now we've seen the perspective of the letter. Next we're going to see the people of the letter, the people of the letter. Who is Peter writing to? Well, here's what it says. It says, to those, here's who he's writing to, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, here's the Trinity, to obey Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Let me read that again. To those, who's he writing to? To those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Now stay with me here. I'm going to move slowly through this. Who are these people? Let's see. Now, I want to tell you there's, there's a couple of viewpoints here, two predominant ones. I want to tell you some people say this is talking about all believers, all citizens of heaven, and, and that's what they think. And so they would say this includes all of us, those that are citizens of heaven. They would quote Paul and say our citizenship is not here but in heaven. And so this is talking about all of us sojourning, traveling outside of heaven. And so they say, because it describes all Christians, this is the describing the process of salvation for all people. They say God chooses who will be saved, therefore God foreknows who will be saved. Then the Spirit regenerates those who God knows who is chosen, and they are obedient to Christ in faith. And so they think these verses are referring to all people who are saved, those that are residents of the kingdom, and they think this is talking about how those people are saved. How ironic that we just spent seven sermons on this. I don't don't think we could have timed that. We just spent seven sermons on this. That is not the case. Now stay with me. This is not referring to all believers. That's how they build the case. All believers, therefore, this is the means of salvation for all believers. This is not referring to all believers, but stay with me, but to a specific set of Jewish believers. This is not referring to individual salvation, but to service. 
Now, we didn't go very deep in this, but that's the same as Romans chapter 9. This is not saying here's the means of of individual salvation. This is talking about the the choosing to be in service. All right. Watch this. It says to those aliens, to those aliens. The word means sojourners, travelers, travelers or those that are not at home. That's what an alien is. They're not at home. They're traveling. They're away from home. Those folks, Calvinists, those folks say that that means all the believers not in heaven, that we are not home, and so this is how they build this idea, this case. Here's what I want to show you. It's actually referring to Jews not in Palestine. Now, because of the Babylonian exile, a few of them because of local persecution, this is talking about Jews that are not in Palestine. These people are Jews. They are Jewish believers, not at home. Now, you say, well, how do you get that? Well, let me just help you. It's from the words here in Scripture. Let me me show you this. In the Greek, in the original language, the two are actually paired together. Chosen aliens, chosen travelers, chosen sojourners. First word we see is chosen. That word actually translates elect, chosen or elect. That was always a word, now see this, given to the Jews. They were God's chosen people. Some folks still say that today. They were God's elect people. Now, we see they were chosen to produce the word of God. They were chosen by God to produce the message of salvation. Now, it was always for the whole world. It was going to be a blessing to all people, but they were chosen to produce the word of God. They were chosen to produce the Messiah of that salvation, Jesus himself. And so chosen is referring to Jews. The next word is the word scattered. It is very telling. Scattered. In the original language, it is the Greek word diaspora. It means the dispersed, the dispersion, the dispersed. It was a word that referred to a specific set of Jews, those that were dispersed because of the Babylonian exile. And so see this, chosen is talking about Jewish people. Uh, dispersed, scattered, is talking about a specific set of Jewish people. Well, what does it say of those people? Here's what it says. God, the Father, foreknew them that they would be sanctified. Now, that's another word meaning set aside, uh, made more like Christ. They would be sanctified to obey Jesus and be sprinkled by his blood. Now, sprinkled by his blood is talking about the act of redemption. It is interesting to see here, only Jews would have known that imagery. They got that from their sacrificial system. Stay with me. We're almost there. And so these people are scattered, dispersed Jews. It's not talking about all believers. It's not talking about all believing people. This talking about dispersed Jews chosen by God in a very specific sense, what God chose the Jewish people to do in a general sense, and that is to obey Christ, to obey God, and to spread the message of the Messiah, Jesus. Remember the the promise to Abraham, through you and your descendants, 
There will be a blessing for all people. Well, these people exist in the midst of Gentiles, and the proclamation of the gospel, it's actually going to be a blessing to all people. They were chosen to stand as gospel carriers, taking the good news to all people. Now, I want to add one other thing to this. Notice it says, it actually lists to us, it actually gives to us the cities and the regions that they are in. It's not talking about all believers. It's talking about Jews. It's not talking about just them. It's talking about a specific set of believing Jews that are dispersed. Now, not only that, it actually tells us where they live. Pontus, Galatia. These are specific people. These specific Jewish believers of the dispersion in these cities. The area now is modern Turkey. Now, all that to say this. Let me tell you about these people. Let me tell you a little about these people. They have trusted Christ. They have placed their hope in Christ. They've trusted that their salvation is in the faith, not in any work that they would do, but faith in the Savior Jesus. They live in these places. And living in these places, here's what's happening. They're surrounded by wickedness. Everywhere they look, it's the norm. Everywhere they look, it's the practice. They are surrounded by the rejection of God's word. And I hope you're listening. They are surrounded by the rejection of God's word. They are also surrounded by the call every day to compromise. Just let it down a little. Just compromise a little. They're surrounded by it. And every day, the calls to compromise, to give in, to take on the things of the surrounding culture. And the pressure and the lure was to merge with the lostness that is all around them. And because of that, their life was hard. Because of that, their life was tough. And for them, the discouragement was real. The discouragement was great. We know from history, it was actually going to get a lot worse for them. Nero's about to get fired up. He's he's about to try to take them out. And so it's tough. It's tough. But we know it was about to get worse for them. Friends, if that doesn't sound familiar, I don't know what does. Man, if that doesn't cause us to sit up, I don't know what will. Isn't that our day? The world is denying the word of God. We can't even say there's two genders anymore. Churches even are embracing that. That, That's some old old teaching. The world is denying the word of God. The wickedness of the world is all around us. And really the lure is just compromise or just be silent. Today the cost to stand is high. Today the trouble is real. Today, look around, one after another, and other people are falling all around us. And I want to tell you where we stand this morning, right now. Once again, through the perspective of Peter, God is calling us to stand. I don't know how many times we've heard that in the last year. God is calling us to stand. He is calling us as those who know hope to rise up. He's calling us to hold the rope, not to let it slide. He is calling us to preach the truth, the only truth by which there's any salvation at all, Jesus. It's an encouragement to stand in the perspective of Jesus. 
written to these people. All right? The last thing we have in our, in our section today is this, the prayer of the letter. Now, I think it's funny. We might not give much significance to the introduction, but there, there's a simple prayer, and I think it's very profound, and really the, the strength that comes up out of the rest of this letter is going to be based upon this prayer. The last of the letter says this, May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. I want you to hear that. Here's, here's what Peter prays. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Grace and peace. Now we're going to find out. We can have peace today. We can have peace in a world that does not have peace today. We can have peace. Listen, I'm talking about you. You can have peace in the midst of hard situations. And you'd say, man, this is hard. This is tough. I didn't ever think we'd be here. Listen, you can have peace in the midst of hard situations. How? Listen, because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. The last line says, in the fullest measure. It is only a single word in the original language, in the Greek. It means this, to maximum capacity. Now, it's strange, to the highest capacity, but it's strange. It actually, when you read it in the original language, it is actually a multiplying thing. It is actually a growing thing. It is expanding. And so I want you to listen. And I think maybe God brought you here to listen to this, to hear this today. The picture is this. As the trouble grows, the grace of God grows. As the hardships grow, the grace of God also grows. As the need of the day grows, the grace of God also grows. And because God's grace grows, listen to me, so does God's peace. And that is the peace that comforts us. That is the peace that consoles us. That is the peace that in shaky days steadies us. And through his peace, though the waves are high all around us, though our hearts are hurting, though our minds are bewildered, though we are tempest-tossed, Peter has learned, and so he tells us here, we can hold on. We can stand. God's grace grows and because his grace grows, his peace is abundant, and he will sustain us. One prayer. One prayer. Abundant grace, sustaining peace. One prayer. I'm going to end today, and I'm going to ask two questions. First question is this, do you know the Savior of grace and peace? Now, I thought about those two words. You know, that's our gospel. That's our gospel. You know what? You have no peace in, that, in, in, in your sin. You have condemnation and judgment, guilt and shame in your sin. But you know, in the grace of God, because he loves us so much, he sends a Savior, Jesus. And if we'll embrace him in faith, if we'll receive the gift and grace of our Savior Jesus, you know what we'll have? 
Peace not as the world gives is what Jesus says. That is our gospel. So the first question is this. Do you know the Savior of grace and peace? His name is Jesus. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you. If if you'll turn to him today, he'll restore you. If you'll turn to him today, he'll forgive you, renew you. He will give you eternal life, peace with a righteous and holy God. Do you know the Savior of grace and peace? He's calling today. His grace is offered today. Second question is this. Listen very carefully. For those that have trusted Jesus, here's the question. It's a big question. So are you living in his peace? You've been robbed of that peace? The events of life lately somehow robbed you of that peace? The circumstance, maybe your health, maybe relationship things, maybe financial things? Maybe great discouragement. Maybe things aren't as you thought they would be. Here's the question today. Are you living in that peace? Now, let me tell you, here's the, the response as we move to this revival. Maybe today it's time to set down some things that are robbing you of your peace. And maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's hurt that you've been carrying around. And, and, and I don't know if it's in forgiveness. I don't know how it, what, what's, what's going to facilitate this. But maybe today you need to give some things to him. But you know what? I, I can't go back and do that. I wish I could. I wish I could say different things, do different things. But you know what, God? If I'll confess, you'll forgive. And you say you'll restore and you'll make new. In fact, it'll be better in you than it was without you. And so maybe there's some things this morning you need to get off your heart. Maybe there's some things you need to forgive today. Maybe there's some things you need to set down today. And maybe, again, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some, some shame you're carrying around. Maybe it's some guilt you're carrying around that, that Jesus remedies in the cross. Maybe it's some division that you just can't let go of. I'm going to tell you what, it's all settled in Jesus. And he tells us he'll settle it. He'll finish it. He'll resolve it. He already has in the cross. And so maybe your response today is, you know what, I want my heart to be right walking out of this service. And so God, I'm about to give you some stuff, and I'm not going to come back and get it later. And I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to trust your word that your grace is new every day. And I'm going to walk out of here in peace. Maybe that's your response on the second day of our revival. Our call as a whole, and I want to say this every time, our call as a whole is this, to pray, God, stir me up. And you can be hard-headed and you can say, I got things to do. I don't have time for that. I'm glad they're doing that. But what if you actually said, God, send a revival to me. God, stir my heart up. That's our prayer. Second thing is this, to take in his word for these 30 days. And maybe you're listening online because you can't get here. Maybe you got to be on a tractor somewhere and, and you listen online. But as best as you can get here, take in this, this message, these words for these 30 days. Let me tell you what, God will change you. He'll transform you. He'll build you in his word. And then the third thing is this, be prepared to respond in faith. God, if you say do some things, I'm ready to do them. If you say change some things, Lord, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to change those things. Respond in faith. What God could do with a people ready to be stirred up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come today. We're thankful that there is hope. We're thankful for our friend Peter. Thankful, Lord, for his faithfulness, even to the point of death. Lord, may we learn from him. 
May we learn from your words spoken through him. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, and I pray that that, the weight would be set off in this hour, that discouragement would be set off in this hour, that that jealousy, rage, things we bottled up or holding would be set off in this hour, that shame and guilt that you set on the cross of Calvary would be set off in this hour. And Lord, I pray that in the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus, Lord, that we don't walk out of here with weight that's not ours to carry, but we walk out of here in peace, not as the world gives, you said you give. And so Lord, I pray we walk out of here renewed, restored, standing in the grace and the mercy of a Savior that loves us. Lord, start a change today. Start a process today. Let it begin here. Lord, we ask that you'd move in this time of invitation. We ask that you be known and glorified through it. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end with a time of invitation. If you're here and God is speaking to you, if God has spoken to you, maybe you're here and you say, I want to trust Jesus, or I have trusted Jesus, and I want to tell the church, maybe you need to follow in believer's baptism as a testimony of what we believe of Christ. Maybe you're here and you say, I want to come to an altar in humility. I want to leave some things there. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you believe God has led you here. All of these things, whatever God has led you to do, whatever he's leading you to do, take care of it at this time. As we stand to sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.